0: Welcome to Reliability Matters, a podcast for the electronic assembly industry. Each episode covers topics related to reliability, best practices, and environmentally responsible assembly techniques, with insights from experts across the electronic assembly industry. Now, here's your host, Mike Conrad. Welcome back to another episode of Reliability Matters. I don't know if I can ever get that music uh, out out of my head. I've listened to it too many times. Uh, it's been quite some time since we've talked about thermal profiling, and uh, there are, you know, I, obviously everyone knows the importance of a proper reflow uh, profile. Uh, I was involved uh, in producing a study uh, with some colleagues over the, the correlation between uh, thermal uh, reflow temperature, particularly peak temperature, and contamination on a board. It turns out that uh, if if there's just a minor drop, just within three or four percent of the peak temperature, uh, we end up with a lot of extra contamination on a circuit board. And that just that fact uh, just reminded me that it's probably a good time to talk again about thermal profiling. And who better to do that with than uh, our friends over at ECD? So I would like to introduce. Uh, mark waterman from ecd welcome mark thanks for agreeing to be on the show
1: yeah, absolutely thanks for having me
0: of course so tell me a little bit of, not that uh, i can't imagine there's too many members of our audience that have never heard of ecd but for those that uh that don't know about ecd tell me uh, a little bit about ecd its background when it started what what you guys are known for
1: Well, ECD was actually uh, started in 1964. We've been around for a few years. Um, We started in the medical device manufacturing arena. uh, And because of quality concerns, we got into contract manufacturing, circuit board production, um, and really uh, the whole uh, soup to nuts uh, manufacturing of uh, medical devices, uh, which required quality tools so we invented electronics to measure different processes that we were using including the mole thermal profiler uh, that was introduced back in the early 90s late 80s and we've been measuring thermal processes ever since uh, we have tools for not only measuring product uh, reflow profiles and wave solder profiles, but also to do uh, machine quality management with rider pallets for every type of uh, heating or soldering process that you can imagine in electronic manufacturing.
0: Excellent. Um, I I saw, well, let me throw this on the screen. I saw that you recently dug up a old product of yours. This was a 25-year-old mole.
1: Yeah, we had a contest for you know who's got the oldest mole <laughs> and uh, we found one that was uh, back in the 90s uh, still functioning uh, unfortunately the uh, there's still some of those out there and, and we try to get them upgraded uh, to newer product uh, but some of those things are just tanks and you know old through hole technology never fails
0: <laughs> yeah but right right sometimes we come across some of our old machines uh, we've been building cleaning equipment since 92 so going on 30 years and i cringe when i when i see some of the older machines because i mean they're still working there's nothing wrong with them they don't look pretty anymore the paint's all gone and and um you know there's probably a few drips coming out of the out of the chamber here and there but they're usually sitting on some kind of containment you know water tray or something but um but some of them are still running so if someone has a very old profiler that they you know that 25 year old Profiler. Assuming it's still working, what? You know, there's, there's two ways to build a product. Uh, there's two goals when you build a product. One is to make it last a long time. That's hard, but it's possible. And the other is to make it relevant for a long time, which is probably even more difficult to, than making <laughs> it last a long time. So uh, if someone has an old mole, if they go to some used equipment place and, or they buy it at auction for $22 or whatever – um at at what point does it lose its relevance so you Uh, know how how does it stay relevant does it not stay
1: relevant yeah unfortunately like say some of those older moles even though they might still be functional the software that is used to communicate with them uh, goes obsolete Uh, microsoft kind of ensures that for us uh, unfortunately Uh, time does march on and so that original profiler Uh, The software came on floppy disks, so even if it would run on a normal Windows machine, you probably don't have a floppy disk to install it. Uh, So that's how far we've come uh, in in software. Uh, The original, uh, some of our original equipment had serial outputs to little uh, thermal printers to print out the profiles, Uh, and now, like say, we're in the modern age, and if you don't have a a Windows machine and something that's, you know, compatible with the, the latest operating system, the, the products don't work anymore. So that's the, the, the unfortunate um, reality, is that we are software-based, so we do our data analysis and software. And if Microsoft makes changes to the operating systems, um, we need to make updates to our software, and sometimes that can't. Um, be backwards compatible with older equipments.
0: So. Yeah, we've had the same challenges where the, the computers are lasting, the hard drives are working, the power supplies are working, the touchscreens are working, but the software breaks. And not only <laughs> when they come up with a new version of Windows, when they come up with a new service pack, when they come up with an update. Um, you know, we we, we usually re- recommend our customers turn off their auto updates because every once in a while it'll auto break, you know? And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't know, maybe we're just not in the right, in the right group. We're not hanging with the cool kids, but we don't know when they're going to do this and we don't know it's going to break until it breaks, right? That's just the nature of Microsoft, I suppose.
1: Exactly. Um, we're still, we've got some fixtures from some of those original moles. We've got a laptop that's in our lab, uh, that, that runs DOS on, off a floppy disk uh, wow. for, for a firmware, uh, fixture and we just look at that every time we have a power failure, we wonder if it's going to come back, but that, it's gotta be a 20 year old laptop and it still runs. So the display comes up, it does what it needs to do. And you know, it might be old, but it's functional. So yeah. <laughs> it's uh... So I've often wondered, Mark, uh,
0: there's the oven guys, there's oven manufacturers that build the ovens. And then there's the thermal management people that like you, that um, basically tell the oven tell the user how the oven's doing uh, relative to their board. How come that's not all one product? What what has stopped uh, Heller and BTU and all the other companies from from you know basically stomping all you guys out of business by by just creating their own profiler? What uh, why are there well, why are there two entities there?
1: Yeah, and it's it's expertise and you know subject matter experts. The the oven guys are um, great at heating things up and uh, making a, a reliable system. Uh, I mean, reflow ovens have become uh, extremely good over the last you know couple decades they're reliable they heat evenly they do a really good job at what they're meant to do um, but the deeper analysis that's required software wise um, you know it, it takes a little more uh, expertise than controlling the temperature of a zone um, you know coming up with the recipe doing some of that automation and some of these big guys they are, we're starting to play in each other's sandboxes, right? We're we're we are crossing um, boundaries of of traditional. You do this, and, and we do that, um, and that's okay. There's still, I think, plenty of market share for everybody, and I think they will always be better at creating ovens, and we'll always be better at profiling. You know, we need to continuously innovate and provide better value than our competitors. So that, that keeps everybody. Uh, Innovating, uh, improving, and uh, improves the value that the customer gets ultimately.
0: Yeah, I guess I could have asked the question in the opposite too. I could have said, "How come you guys aren't making ovens?" You know, <laughs> you're already you're already uh, measuring the re- the output of an oven. Why not make an oven? But I know I understand there's a core competency there, and the skill sets required to to build a a conveyor to control temperature as precisely as they do are probably completely different skills as writing code to interpret all that uh, all that energy and and forecast it so let's say i'm brand new to profiling uh i i'm i just graduated college I, i've been dropped i've been parachuted into j bill or something and and now uh, and and i've been charged with um updating our company's profilers what do i need to know what 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 is a good foundation to to start off with um uh, when it comes to choosing a profiler or choosing to profile at all. <laughs>
1: well, that, that's a, you know one of the major problems in the industry is apathy, right? Let's, if we don't have to do it, let's not do it. <laughs> you could probably right. run into the same thing with cleaning, right? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so it, overcoming that apathy is, you know, build it into a quality program and define what is good quality. Uh, managing all your thermal processes requires that you measure them manage them Uh, and you need to have a quality program that includes that Uh, the frequency can be determined and flexible Uh, the amount of change over that you want to uh, tolerate and can be adaptable Uh, but you need to document have it in your quality program and then follow it um, as engineering resources uh, and manufacturing resources become smaller and smaller the need to profile hasn't been reduced it's actually increased the, the smaller assemblies we have different types of chemistries now with low temperature solders and you know some of the new sintering technologies these process windows are getting smaller not larger and the need for profiling just increases um, and at the same time automation marches forward and they want to be able to do this uh, faster easier um, defer it or uh, transfer it to operators instead of engineers. And so uh, the software has to, uh, and the, the, the systems have to become simpler to use, uh, more intuitive and give you better insight. So make it less complicated, but give me more information. <laughs> sure. So it, it's quite, quite a challenge. Um, and that, like say the engineer that you just dropped in that doesn't know anything, they need to have a, a process on what they need to measure, how often do they need to measure it, and what are the the, the bumpers um, that I need to be aware of and, and be monitoring to make sure I'm successful. So let's talk about that a little bit. You
0: talk about um, how often do I need to measure. So if, you know, the in our world, I, I, in the opening, I talked about a study that we're, we were involved in uh, that um, where we were uh, reflowing boards at a quote-unquote proper peak temperature, 250 degrees, uh, and, and then extracting contamination from under various parts of the board and determining that you know we had a, basically a pass, the contamination level was fairly low with this no-clean flux. And then we reflowed more boards, identical boards, uh, with uh, the peak temperature being off by 10 degrees, which was 4%. And then we did the same... Uh, uh, extraction on chromatography and we had increases in um contamination up to 600%. So uh, 200%, 130%, uh, 180% uh, up to 600% across the board. And that peak temperature turns out you know was is really important to hit. And in my understanding, and this is probably a human nature thing, not specific to profiling, we tend to set up a profile um with perfect conditions, with perfect (laughs) boards, with the best operators, uh, ideal conditions. Everything's been calibrated. All the vents on the reflow oven have been cleaned out. Everything's working good. And then we get our perfect profile. And then we, you know, leave, go to the bar, go party, go to Tahiti, whatever. And, and all of that just very slowly starts to drift and we don't go back and check it until we see a problem like contamination or whatever other uh, whatever other solubility issues maybe how often should should someone recheck their profile uh, is this a, a daily thing like when you start up is this a monthly thing a quarterly thing or do we just respond when things break
1: well that that would be the apathetic part usually uh, people don't check their profile until a problem's already happened so they're they're in risk management mode they're trying to stop the bleeding um, and that's really in a manufacturing for quality anyway, you want to have a recursive, you know, I want to do a check on this. And it sounds a little snarky, but um, you could check it as often as you can afford to make bad boards for. So if you're making bad product for a month and you can afford that amount of risk, then check your profile once a month. Um, if you want to make bad boards for a year uh, and, and absorb that risk, then check your profile once a year. Uh, I'm not risk-tolerant, so I would do it a little more frequently, you know, daily or weekly. And it depends what you're making. If you're making Bluetooth earpieces that you expect to be out in the field for 18 months and then thrown away, it's a lot different than an analog brake controller that's going on a school bus or something, right? So uh, it's all about managing the risk and and the exposure to risk that you might have. Uh, I know now that more and more electronics are going into active safety systems for automobile you know for the automotive industry more and more medical devices the amount of liability has really increased and having a quality system where you're measuring it and proving that your process is stable and in control is more and more important than ever so
0: yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense um, so me still being the new guy, we'll, we'll keep playing this role um, okay, sure. in thermal profiling. What are the most common mistakes I'm going to make uh, based on uh, your experience?
1: Understanding the importance of the profile itself. So uh, just as you mentioned with with the cleaning, uh, different uh, alloys and, and fluxes require uh, different types of uh, values to monitor or, or measurements to monitor. Uh, same with voiding, uh, so you need to be aware of what what the failure modes might be, and what can uh, mitigate those. Also, the points to measure uh, as we get into larger BGAs um, or more uh, you know complex assemblies, we need to n- not just measure a, a solder <laughs> sample with not isn't populated. Um, you're not getting real thermal data from that, which is you know, if you want to have a quality product, you need to start off with a sacrificial board that's populated and it might cost you 300 bucks. And that's that's the cost of quality. We need to factor that into our, our quality system is that we need a populated board to, to profile. Um, thermocouple attachment has always been an issue. Um, there's the trade-off between fast and easy and difficult and good. <laughs> and. I think that's a
0: life lesson in general, right? Not just, <laughs> yeah. not just for profiling. So let's talk about, it. let's drill down on that one because that one I hear a lot. You know, again, I'm not an expert in profiling, but what little I know, it always talks about the bonding of the, of the thermocouple to the board. Um, can people use capped on tape? Can they use a foil tape? Can they use glue? I mean, what's
1: the, <clears throat> what shouldn't they use? Let's start with that. Uh, I, the worst <laughs> um, offender is capped on tape. I mean capton tape can be used as strain relief it's not good for anything else um in profiling <laughs> maybe to right. hold something down
0: why uh, not i'm just curious uh, i mean it, the, it has the, the ability does it have the ability to hold it down or does it affect somehow the 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 it doesn't
1: conform very well it likes to keep its shape so it allows air in underneath it um, okay and it influences the measurement
0: okay so uh, instead of good. measuring the actual surface of the of the board at that point you're measuring the air of uh, a few microns above the board. Correct. Yep. Okay.
1: Swirling around it. Um, and we'll get into this. You know, some of this is opinion, uh, and there are many opinions out there. But foil tape is, is probably the second worst. I mean, it is fast. It is uh, convenient. It conforms around the thermocouple bead. So it, 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 show, it reveals its shape um, you know, or witnesses it. So you can see where the bead is. Uh, the silicon adhesive that is used uh, starts to soften right around 220 C. So right at the most important part of your profile, the, the, the glue starts to give out um, and may lift, it may not. Uh, it's good for a couple runs. If you need to get some quick data or, or a confirmation run, it's not as repeatable as other methods. Uh, so it is fast and convenient. Mm, repeatability is at a little bit to be desired. So if you need to do more than two or three runs, it's probably not appropriate. Uh, again, if you you can use the Kapton tape to, to strain relief the wire so it doesn't pull out and you can use it to, the window painting method to put on the aluminum tape and you'll get two to three runs. Um, SMT adhesives and epoxies are nice. They, you can put on a very small amount so it doesn't influence the reading either as an insulator or as a mass. Um, it also takes curing time, so it may take 24 hours to cure, or you may have to have some UV you know, light source to instantly cure it. Uh, and it's good repeatability-wise for many runs. Um, the best attachment method, the most thermally intimate and repeatable method, is high-temp solder. Um, and most of those are leaded, which is a concern for some lead-free houses. Um, there is a Rojas exemption for high-temperature solder use for thermocouple attachment. so. It, there's uh, you're still in compliance, even if you use it. Well, cause the, in theory,
0: after you, after you get your profile, you desolder it, right? So the board is not going out with, with lead in it. It's, it's only right. there for a moment, basically.
1: And uh, again, we asked for a sacrificial board, right? This, this should never make it out into, into the wild, so to speak, oh, and, okay. into the population. So it, it's a, a measurement platform. If you do need to use it, um send it to a customer. There are are other ways to do that that are non-destructive. But uh, again, there's pros and cons to that. So the high temperature solder is the best way. Again, you wanna limit the mass uh, of the attachment, right? Because you wanna measure the the solder joint, not a big blob of solder that you put on there. So some care has to be taken. Um, And thermocouples are difficult to solder. Um, You need a little bit of silver in with your SN5 or SN10 uh, you should use a really aggressive flux. Uh, I'm gonna, I have a secret weapon. It's Johnson's uh, J35. Really nasty stuff. Don't get it on your hands or your clothes. It'll lead through it, but it works really well on thermocouples. So there's your 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 secret tip for the day. <laughs> what what type of thermocouples are recommended? Type K is the most common. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, it's readily available from uh, you know many manufacturers. It has fairly good um, repeatability. It's accurate to two degrees, uh, you know, 1.1 degrees C, two degrees F kind of stuff. Uh, it's got a little bit of chrome in it, so they don't rust or wear out. So they have fairly uh, long life. Uh, the biggest thing now is the process temperatures are getting up above the the threshold for Teflon uh, insulation. So the glass insulation tends to fray and wear out a little bit faster. and. Some people are a little disappointed with the lifespan of the thermocouple now, but they are consumable. Uh, It's just the cost of of profiling.
0: Well, I would imagine they take a beating with the attachment and and unattachment, detachment, unattachment, (laughs) detachment. They're they're bonded, they're removed, they're bonded, they're removed, and that's got to um, that's got to take a toll on them as well, right? And, and they're being bent and you probably get some metal fatigue over the years or over the months. Uh, and...
1: uh, yeah, the insulation gives up way before the wires do, which is mm-hmm. um, pretty amazing that you can, they'll take a beating and a lot of twisting and turning, uh, but the insulation gives up first. Teflon is much more resilient to that type of, um, you know, mechanical stress and, and uh, abrasion the glass just wears out a little bit faster. Every time you bend it, it sheds a little bit and gets thinner and thinner and frays. And so it, it's not as nice to work with as the, the Teflon, but uh, the process temperatures are up above 220 um, C. You have to use different insulation. Yeah, that
0: makes sense. So Profiler has been around a long time. And from the first profile Profiler ever made, um, I don't know if it was ECD or any, anyone else, but I would, I would imagine it's, it's probably you guys, um, the job of a profiler is to record temperature in in kind of real time, right? That's kind of the, the main uh, reason uh, that they were invented. So that seems pretty basic. Although I know there's way more behind the scenes than just recording the temperature, you know, and plotting it uh, on a chart. So what's changed over the last, you know, since 1986 or so, since you made your first mole, what... It, Besides the the operating system and the various versions of you know DOS and then Windows and and whatever, um, what what is the reason why these profilers can go into obsolescence and and newer more modern profilers are are needed besides the operating system and. And, and them just getting worn out or dropped too many times.
1: <laughs> or you know, burned up. Uh, or burned, or <laughs> burned up in yeah, the
0: sacrificial mole. Right, exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, so th- there are uh, a couple of different things that that force obsolescence. Some of it is manufacturability. Uh, as we know, these components um, are only available for a certain amount of time. Uh, we've had on our super mole gold, um, we kept that version of our profiler going for about 18 years and the last uh, few builds yeah i think we did you know about 14 last time buys on components Um, and you know the builds got harder and harder and had more and more fallout so there's a uh, point of diminishing return on trying to keep um, old designs manufacturable and so you get into a new design cycle because you're forced to because of chip availability and then every time you're forced to do a board spin, it's an opportunity to add features, add functionality, you know, faster, better, you know, um, better uh, battery life or, or power management. Um, the opportunity to increase logging speeds for different applications, to add uh, different functionality. So the hardware itself is really based on manufacturability more than anything. Uh, Recording temperature from a thermocouple input—you're just measuring microvoltage and putting it into a log file. So it's—it's it's not rocket science on the logger side. The real innovation and uh, improvements usually come on the software side, and that has to come with uh, you know usability of the software, making the complex more simple, um, being able to extract um, measurements from this time-temperature plot uh, in unique ways uh, that are application specific. So uh, semi semiconductor guy may want to do different measurements than a reflow guy. Um, and we, we service a lot of different uh, industries that have different types of measurements, like baking, for example. When you bake bread t- for shelf life and uh, you know different types of uh, mouthfeel and, and bread quality, they have completely different measures, but we need to extract those from a time temperature plot. So. Being able to automate that is important. Um, Creating software tools that save time. Uh, I know our prediction algorithm is a huge time saver when you're developing a recipe for a reflow profile. Instead of just making a small change and and checking and making another small change and checking, we can use our algorithms and our software to accurately predict how those changes affect the profile so you can get to that ideal profile in in one to two runs instead of 10 or 12. being able to automate uh, recipe setup against multiple lines. Um, so those are the types of things that we focus on in the software, and those are where those incremental improvements have come over the years. Uh, so you tie that in with the need to make something that's more manufacturable, and it's, a, it's an organic um, improvement process that, that we go through and we continually try to add value to our customers by putting in new features that help them save time or make it easier
0: yeah that makes sense how has uh, miniaturization and more specifically uh, bottom terminated components landed in your industry i i can't think of a way to measure under a btc uh in real time uh, what and even just miniaturization even if there is some clearance parts are so close together i mean the 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 components are a fraction of the size of the thermocouple these days yeah. so how does that uh, present a challenge in your industry, and and what has your industry done to respond to that challenge?
1: Yeah, that's a, an excellent question. The, the nice thing is, the smaller they get, the more thermally uniform they are. Uh, thankfully, they heat up quick. So, getting a thermocouple close um, is you're getting a lot of data uh, relevant to the, the assembly still. And we use smaller and smaller thermocouples. So, you know, we're using uh, forty. Th- 40 gauge thermocouples that are made with three thousandths uh, of an inch wire uh, to make these baby hair, fine thermocouples um, that are more more and more fragile. So that's always difficult. More of a challenge is the total process height, you know, physics is our enemy when it comes to protecting our electronics in these thermal processes. More people are trying to reduce their nitrogen consumption so the the clearances on ovens get smaller and smaller Um, some of these processes are now even uh, say with some of the sintering processes they're using uh, acid environments that are uh, particularly nasty to electronics and stainless steel which we use a lot of to you know make our barriers and uh, so as these processes are developed and and utilized we have to continually try to work around protecting our instruments with insulation. And, and unfortunately, insulation technology hasn't really improved in the last two decades. Uh, so we have a minimum height that we can get to, which is about 3 quarters of an inch. And if you have a clearance smaller than that, you know, we're, we're stuck. You're going to have to do the old-fashioned feed and retrieve method, which people hate. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, what does that method
0: so- uh, explain what that method is?
1: Uh, fishing where you have you know if you have a 16 foot oven you use 17 foot long thermocouples and <laughs> you trail it behind and uh, when it exits the oven you disconnect everything and pull it all through from the other side <laughs> so they don't uh, burn with glo- up
0: with gloves on yeah
1: with gloves on yeah i um, mean that's where traveling profilers uh, really got their uh, their niche is that people didn't want to use these long trailing thermocouples and and pull them through the oven and burn their hands and Melt connectors.
0: Profilers, what separates one from another?
1: I I think there's probably um, three main parameters. One is, um, you know, the brand. Do you know if you're going to buy something um, to record your process? Is it going to last for 10 years? Um, Is it well known? Is it going to be supported? So that all goes into brand. Um, Obviously, we've been around for a number of years. And we're a known quantity you know, our products last forever uh, to our detriment. Sometimes (laughs) Uh, we support those old moles uh, as best we can still. Uh, We answer the phone. Uh, Customer support is is obviously super important. If you have a problem or more and more, it's coming into, do we get training? You know, I've I've just been dropped into this position. Uh, I'm a new process engineer and I don't know anything about wave solder or I don't know anything about reflow. You know, what's the can you give me 45 minutes and, and tell me the things I need to know? And we find ourselves doing that more and more, being the the knowledge base uh, for our customers rather than the, the measurement base. Um, you know, Used to be the solder guys who were the experts and would measure that. And, um, but anymore, uh, they uh, more often come to us and we provide that level of support to our customers. So that's a differentiator uh, that you'd want to look at. Um, and the software feature sets, uh, we're uh, very analytical in our software. So if you need unique, value, you know, uh, extractions, if you like to do SPC, uh, we're more on the engineering side of things. Um, some of our competitors are more on the ease of use and automation.
0: Uh, do you consider ECD a, a software company that, that builds hardware to host the software or a hardware company that builds software to allow it to work?
1: Well, that's an interesting question uh, because uh, it, we are in a in a strange position. Um, our hardware. I mean, we sell to the electronics industry. Everybody knows how much it costs to build these things, um, and, and yet we charge a premium for our hardware, and you get the software for free. Uh, and that's the model that that our industry has lived in for a long time, and. and People are starting to look at that, you know, do we want to do profiling as a service and, uh, you know, or software as a service or, you know, give away the hardware and, and become a software company, uh, you know, open source the, the hardware. And so those are all interesting questions. Um, there is a significant amount of risk and uncomfortableness around that. Uh, you know, you and I were talking earlier about, um, you know, perceived risk on, you know, uh, marketing and, you know, attending trade shows, the same thing is whenever you make a, you know, a large change in your business model, there is some uncomfortableness around that. So at least for the near term, we're staying with the status quo where, you know, we're a hardware company that makes really good software for free. <laughs> in the future, <laughs> we may become a software company um, that, you know, gives away their their hardware.
0: Yeah. You know the reason I asked that is you know that I, I look at the Tesla model you know auto manufacturer uh, Tesla was they came out of the gate struggling uh, to build cars with fit and finish you know they had a wonderful technology it, they they were leading edge technology but the cars at least in the earlier days weren't all that great you know if you looked at the the seam lines between panels they they were varying to, to great degrees and they weren't building very efficiently and then it, I read an article that that kind of explained why and it made a lot of sense to me. They are a software company building cars and, or an engineering company, basically, or an electronics company building cars as opposed to Detroit, which was a mechanical car company um, you know, bringing in electronics. And so the, the, the mainstream car companies were late at evolutionizing the technology within their cars, um, but they knew how to build cars. So it's just, they just came at it from a different perspective. Um, so that's what I was wondering. That's, I'm sure that's the battle you guys, not so much the battle, but that's, that, <coughs> that's the, the fine line you guys are balancing since uh, you started.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, uh, what's difficult is when we make a platform change, uh, you can't give customers less than they had with the old version. So right. it's always got to be more.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> and, and where does that so, end? Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so your development cycles can get quite long, right? If it took you 3 years to develop for, you know, Windows 98, when Windows 10 comes out, you got you got 3 years of development to get back to where you started and then you got to add a little bit to get people to change.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Um, Right, you have to, yeah, exactly. Uh, do you drip <laughs> out the you know the expanded content, or do you just give it everything you've been working on? I mean, I mean, you got to hold something back for you know the next upgrade, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And um, like say, it's hard to come out if we made a, a hypothetically speaking, you know, if we made a, a new application for uh, our software to you know talk on a, an Android phone. How much functionality do you want to port into? Uh, a mobile device you know does it have to do everything that a you know a desktop device does or you know what's that 80 20 rule for the walk around version compared to the desktop version so it's it's a tight rope it's always interesting uh thought exercises uh it also makes it incredibly diff- difficult to nail down a scope and get things going on a well product. we
0: talked earlier um i think we were yeah, we talked earlier about the Microsoft coming up with, you know, new revs. Once you start making it, you know, iOS compatible, um, now that's another another thing to break, you know, when, when the <clears throat> next iPhone or Android phone gets an up, upgrade. Uh,
1: that's correct. Uh, there are some, some interesting things coming out from Microsoft. Uh, this is totally off topic, but um, they're coming out with a, a – coding platform called Maui, and it's the multi-user application interface. So you can develop on one platform and you can bolt out iOS, Android, Windows, um, software from that one build. So it's a very um, interesting uh, build platform to work from. It's also bleeding edge, so it's not quite available yet. (laughs) Right. So that's the risk.
0: Even when they release it, it's not quite available yet. You know, they, they <laughs> tend to yeah. do all their debugging in the field. You know, that's, that's just the nature of, of that company. Exactly. Um, before we finish up, once an oven is set with its conveyor speed and, and zone temperatures, what causes it to produce different results? What, what is the mechanical reason why someone should buy a profiler? You know, you can't just set it and forget it. Are, are there variables that change within the oven, within the infrastructure that's supporting the oven, uh, within the boards, where where they will produce a different result uh, from one day to another?
1: Uh, there's uh, that's a really loaded question. There's there's literally hundreds of variables that can affect uh, the reflow profile. So you have uh, maintenance issues as far as uh, potentially the exhaust stack pressures changing um, the HVAC system whether it's uh, you know winter summer uh, you, if you have a loading dock and people are rolling up the door for FedEx at three o'clock every day and letting in a bunch of hot air or cold air um, you have internal um, processes inside the oven that, that may cause failures blowers can fail uh, conveyor speeds can can end up drifting over time. Uh, So there's literally hundreds of different variables that can affect uh, the reflow profile. Even the power that you're getting uh, from the utility can change the amount of uh, available heat it is to recover when a board goes through, or board loading. Um, We had one example where the company would run 20 boards, and then they'd stop for 15 minutes, and then 20 more boards would come through. And the last three boards of every batch of 20 were, were colder than the rest because the first 17 boards sucked all the heat out of the oven and it couldn't recover fast enough. Um, so there are variables that can affect the, the reflow profile. Uh, and you may not be able to catch them with you know, single board pass profiling because you're collecting that data in the ideal time. that The oven's stable, it doesn't have any, um, you know, Production load on it that may be varying the uh, the heat from the zones, and that's we do continuous monitoring products that monitor that you know every 10 seconds we are taking a sample of the oven condition, so that we can catch those uh, variables as they happen. So if there are changes over time or immediate changes due to board loading or um, you know external uh, maintenance issues or internal failures that we can pick those up and. and let somebody know, uh, you know, set off the, the red flag that, hey, something in your process has changed. You should come check it out.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, what, what's the future hold for ECD?
1: Well, that's a, another loaded question. So Industry 4.0 is demanding automation. Um, you know, closed-loop control is always kind of the holy grail. So uh, we can look at a board before it goes into the oven, select the best recipe for it. Tell the oven, you know, what temperature it should be at, and then send it through and and know that it's been processed correctly. Um, I think we're still a couple decades from that, uh, but as as we say, the uh, oven, the, the sandboxes for oven manufacturers and profiling companies are, are definitely getting closer together, and um, having some type of closed loop control is probably the next step.
0: So something where the 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 profiler can talk to the oven and basically say, hey, buddy, you need to slow down the conveyor, turn up the zone, or, or or maybe even put the desired profile into the profiler rather than the oven, and then the profiler can talk to the oven. And And is that is that kind of the, the strategy behind that or the goal behind that?
1: Um, two-way communications is definitely in the on the roadmap let's just put it that way
0: cool Um, (laughs) all right well i don't want to tell you uh, don't tell me so much where you have to kill me so
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah
0: i need to be around Uh, for another show
1: yeah we we are continually striving to make our profilers smarter and to do more and to make it easier for the operators and so being able to communicate and uh, evaluate a profile is definitely on the roadmap
0: excellent well mark Thank you for, for spending the last uh, about 45 minutes with me or so and, uh, and uh, spreading your wisdom. I really appreciate it. Uh, you make me smarter. Uh, so mm-hmm. I get to ask the, uh, the dumb questions because uh, I always have the smarter people on the other side of the screen. So thanks for enlightening me and educating me on, and my audience on, um, on the ins and outs of thermal profiling. I
1: really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Thank you, you too.
0: Thanks for listening or watching the Reliability Matters podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and so many more. Also, be sure to check out my other podcasts, including the Concept to Creation podcast, where I feature conversations with entrepreneurs within the electronic assembly space. And as we discussed earlier at the beginning of the show, the Innovations and Technology podcast, where we discuss innovative products within our industry. All three shows are also available in video format. Check out the Reliability Matters or Concept to Creation or Innovations in Technology podcasts on YouTube. Just search the show's name and you can find all three shows or go to mikeconrad.com, that's Conrad with a K, all three shows also appear there. Again, thanks for being part of my podcast family. I appreciate you being here. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay happy, and of course, Keep doing it right. See you again soon.